Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb. Thanks for tuning in today. And in today's episode, I want to go over something that's on everybody's mind. If you've been watching the news recently, as of the timing of this is mid-September, we're at a pretty historic moment in history. Inflation is completely rampant. Interest rates have uh, gone through the roof. Uh, Certain bubbles that have been created by the monetary policy of the Fed and the money printing are starting to pop. You're starting to see a recession slowly drift over the country. And the word recession isn't necessarily bad, but the last one that we got a taste of, or I guess the last two between COVID and the 2008 housing crisis left a bad taste in people's mouths and it created a very difficult time for a lot of people. So the word recession can be a big hot button in the event that you are caught in the midst of this recession and are hit by it. So I want to go over exactly how we're looking at investments during a recession. In other words, is this going to be a stable investment or do we think that this is something that's going to go bankrupt or take a really big hit on our portfolio? And most importantly, because we raise a lot of money, how do we insulate investor capital against an economic recession. Uh, But before we jump into this, if you get value from these videos, please share and leave us a review. Also, if you've been interested in learning more about investing in recession-resistant real estate, head on to our website, hbgcapital.net, and schedule a call with us on our calendar. We look forward to getting to know you. All right, so jumping in today, if you are watching this, great. I'm gonna have some graphics for you. If you're not watching, don't worry about it. I'm gonna talk through everything. But I went and I gathered a couple points that we're showing investors on why, what we're looking at, and what are the fundamentals behind a good deal. And... It can be really complex to bet your money on whether or not a certain asset class is going to do well or not, right? If everybody could have predicted back in 2009 that the stock market was going to do what it did, everybody would have poured into stocks. Uh, same thing with real estate, but we don't have a crystal ball. But I want to give everyone a framework for looking at investments by the end of this episode and a very easy way of looking at an investment is Is money going to continue to flow into this investment in a recession or period? In other words, if you see a future demand for a specific product based on market fundamentals, and by future demand, I mean, is money going to pour into it? And so today, what I want to do is I want to take one investment class that we're heavily geared towards, and I want to break this framework down so that you can apply it to any investment, whether it's a bond or a stock or real estate uh, and buying a business, anything. This framework works for anything. I'm going to go over the points and each point is you have to ask yourself at the end of each bullet point, does this bullet point mean money is going to flow into this investment or is it going to flow out of this investment? 
And that is the basis of our entire framework when we build these models that we're insulating against market volatility. So here I've got four big points pulled up and at the top it says, why Nashville? So the four reasons are it's business friendly, it's high growth, there's no state income tax, and it's still relatively affordable compared to the rest of the country. So let's break down each of these and ask ourselves, do we think if we're looking at Nashville as a whole, as a city, we're looking at the macros of an area to invest in, do we think money is going to continue to pour into Nashville or do we think money is going to leave Nashville? So point number one is Nashville's very business friendly. In other words, you have the local municipalities that are approving growth and we did not shut everything down during COVID. That's a very important point. COVID created an environment. I wouldn't say created an environment. COVID revealed an environment that a lot of people were just not aware of yet. There are business-friendly states and there are non-business-friendly states. And COVID made that very apparent. Uh, COVID could have made your municipalities shut down your business, as we saw. You know, we know the restaurant business took a big beating, but politicians were actually mandating that businesses close in certain states and in others, they didn't. That makes it very attractive, especially if you're a big institution investing billions of dollars. Do you want that billions of dollars parked in a city that shut everything down? Or do you want it parked in a city that kept everything open? So that tells us that business-friendly states Money is going to continue to pour into these states during an economic recession. So it gets the thumbs up. The next point is high growth. So this one's kind of self-explanatory. Uh, you've got attractive living demographics, uh, no state income taxes. You got mass immigration from high tax states. You know, local municipalities are further incentivizing businesses to move here with tax cuts. So a lot of the big corporations that are Moving here, like Amazon, Oracle, Ms. Vichy, Lance Bernstein, uh, they got some pretty deep tax incentives from the local city, which, again, brought a bunch of jobs and it was really good for the city. So if you've got a city that is growing very rapidly, in other words, businesses are moving there, uh, that's bringing jobs to the area. People are moving there. People bring money and money means money is flowing into that city. So the high growth checks the mark on where the money's going. The next point that I have listed is there's no state income tax. And this is pretty self-explanatory. Does the city tax or the state tax uh, your income as it comes in? If you're a business owner, do you want to be somewhere where you're, you have to pay income taxes? It's taking money out of your pocket. Or do you want to be somewhere where it's keeping money in your pocket? You know, there's been 343,000 new residents move here since 2010. You've got some of the largest corporations in America moving here. There's a year-round tourism, and it's a healthcare mecca with the likes of Vanderbilt, Centennial, St. Thomas West, some of the biggest hospitals in the country, and some of the most prestigious hospitals in the country. So you got to ask yourself, if you've got world-class hospitals and you've got year-round tourism, is this a cyclical event or are you going to continue to have dollars pour into this area? And the answer is yes. If you've got proven year-round tourism uh, that's not cyclical based on the weather or the time of year, then that's a more stable economy than if you get something lopsided where three, four months out of the year, your 
you're seeing things. So the no state income tax box checks the money flows into this box. The last point I have on why Nashville is the affordability. So as you know, the need for live never goes away. And this is a pretty big point when you're considering investment classes is if I invest in this thing, is this going to be around when the economy contracts? In other words, if you think of groceries versus, let's say, Rolex watches, when people have a lot of discretionary income, they gravitate towards buying luxury things like Rolex, it's a luxury brand. And when there's an economic contraction and people are losing their jobs and they don't have as much money and they're having to downsize and they're having to cut bills and they're feeling the squeeze, they're not going to have the money to buy that Rolex watch. But I'll bet that they do have the money to go buy groceries because everybody still has to eat. You know, when COVID happened, toilet paper might not have been a bad thing to invest in, right? You couldn't find it anywhere. Price of toilet paper went up. It's crazy. The demand for toilet paper through the roof. Who would have known? But having that affordability means you're always going to have a need to live somewhere. And people don't just become homeless in an economic contraction. Um, for the very unfortunate few, that is that is a reality. But for most, that's not. They don't just go homeless. What they do is they cut living expenses, which is one of the biggest costs of a family is where they live, their mortgage or their rent. And what they do is they just pivot into more affordable living arrangements. So if we're investing in areas where the median sales price is lower than the rest of the country, and there's attractive demographics like what we've talked about here before, then you can bet that that asset class is going to do pretty well. There's going to be demand. Um, if you look at how many people are trying to buy uh, affordable housing right now, it's it's insane that you just you can't build it fast enough. So we like affordability. It checks the box of money is pivoting into this uh, into more affordable assets. Now, when we talk about growth, let's we've talked about kind of like why you know again we're we're looking at you know Nashville uh, through the eyes of a recession, right? What is this thing going to do? Is money going to pour into it, or is money going to pour out of it? And so, one of the points that we really like on Nashville growth is it's been one of the top 10 fastest growing cities the past six years. So it's one thing to say, hey, there's a lot of growth happening in this city. Let's invest in it. Well, if that was just a one-off year, maybe the fundamentals were fueled by some once-in-a-lifetime event like COVID, and you had a big boom like in you know Boise, Idaho, and then COVID pulls away, and all of a sudden there's a big withdrawal because the fundamentals on what made that city boom in the first place are removed. That's a problem. So we want to look for investments that have consistent money flowing into them. And in this case, the past six years, it's been one of the fastest growing cities. Checks the box. Money's moving in here. Since 2012 and 2020, there's been over $7.5 billion in public-private investments invested in Middle Tennessee. That's a lot of money. And we want to see if that is, again, that's a consistent number. We like that. But is it growing? That's an even better indicator. And this is, you can't get any more direct than actual dollar bills flowing into a city right here. But currently, if you look at the numbers, there's 6.5 billion under construction or in progress. That is almost 
the entire $7.5 billion investment that has happened between the eight-year period of 2012 and 2020. So there's a lot more money moving into this city. And you got to look at some of the demographics. You know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, the city is one of the top 10 places to live after the pandemic. Uh, there's a lot of companies moving here. All these things point to money moving into this asset class. Another fun look is not just to look at the points um, about a city, but like look, go drive around and look at it. So um, I've got pulled up here a picture of Nashville downtown from 2011. It shows the skyline view and it shows the Batman view, Batman building. And then below it is a picture from 2020. So there's a nine year gap in this photo. And, you know, if you're watching this, it is pretty amazing to see how the skyline has nearly doubled. I mean, this is, this is absolutely crazy the amount of growth, healthy growth, organic growth of institutional capital that has been pouring into this city. Uh, that goes to show you that we've got steady growth and significant growth and growth equals money moving into a city. Now, the next slot I'm bringing up is a picture of all the future proposed development. So it's a 3D model of downtown Nashville and in this 3D model, it has the current skyline that we just saw since 2020. And it has all of the proposed projects. And basically what we're looking at is the skyline is going to double again in the next few years. That's that $7.5 billion, or I'm sorry, $6.5 billion uh, in progress uh, investments. And this is this is huge. This is a big, big point. If you want to see if money is going to continue to grow, pour into a city as we enter this recession period, I don't know, nobody knows what's going to happen. Seeing all the progress and the future construction that's going to happen in an area tells you that, hey, money is already planning to pour into this city, no matter what the economy does. And that's going to help provide insulation in the event that something does happen. Now, another area that we look at is economic growth. So are jobs being added to the city? And when you have big giants like Amazon and Alliance Bernstein and Oracle moving here, it's kind of a no-brainer. You're going to have the economic growth. But you want to have a baseline to compare it to. Uh, because if you don't have a baseline, you don't know whether the city's growing faster or slower or jobs are being added more or less than the rest of the country. And you want to be in an area that's growing faster than the baseline because people tend to mediate and, and want to go away from that baseline, right? They want to be in the good areas. And so if you look at this economic growth chart, you can see up until the, about 2019, Nashville's growth was steady, a little bit under what the United States growth was. And then it just, it really took off. Um, it surpassed the United States in employment. And it's got one of the highest employment rates in the country. It's growing. We like economic growth. Economic growth means money is pouring into this asset class. So it checks that box. Now that we've looked at a area to invest in and some of the fundamentals behind is money going to flow into this area or is money going to flow out in this area? Let's look at a specific product type. Now, as you know, our company is very bullish on affordable new construction projects, not to be confused with 
Section 8 housing or government housing, which is, you know, also has its own advantages and disadvantages. I'm talking about the most undersupplied, highest man real estate product in the country right now, which is entry level housing. It is with rising construction costs and supply chain issues and lack of supply and outpaced demand. This is a product type that has a long runway and we're very bullish on it. We think it's got three to five years for inventory to catch up. So again, Looking at through the lens of does money flow into this asset class or does money flow out of it? You've got to look at the demand. There are, uh, I think 30, 35 to 40% of the home buyer market is made of first time home buyers looking for somewhere to live. They don't have anywhere. This is one of the reasons why the build to rent space has taken off so much is because no one can afford to buy anything. So they're having to rent and it is just exponentially increasing the rent prices for multifamily, these build to rent communities. So if you've got super low supply and super high demand for something, demand means people want it and people bring money into it. So it checks the money flows into it box. We've got hyper low inventory that was created by 2008. COVID further suppressed supply, uh, suppressed the supply of this product type. Um, and you've got the supply chain issues doubling the construction time, which leads to stalled supply. So stalled supply means new inventory is not going to hit the market as quick as it would, which means it's taking longer, which means that demand is continuing to build. This is something that is a big problem. We do not have enough affordable housing and this tells us that money is going to continue to flow into this with the current demographics. Next point is insulation. And we've kind of talked about this already, but certain needs like housing never go away and other needs do. You know, if you're thinking about taking a vacation, you lose your job, all of a sudden you're not going to take a vacation anymore. You still need to pay the bill, the rent to keep the roof over your head. Um, this insulation protects investors' principal and their equity. Um, by this demand. Another reason why we like affordable new construction is it's a very, it's very easy construction and there's a in and out timeline that we like. We want to reduce market risk. So if I'm looking at this through the lens of this money flow into it or does money flow out of it, if I can build a 2000 square foot or less product uh, and be in and out in 10 months versus a 3,500 square foot product, that takes me 16 months, which one would I rather do? Is money going to flow into the one that is more easily constructed on a faster timeline that has more accessible materials? It's easier to build where it's a cookie cutter product where you can build a bunch of them with the same layout, making it very easy and doesn't have unnecessary interruptions. Or do I want to invest in homes that take forever that are very complex and require a lot of detail to build? Um, Again, if you're an investor, you're probably going to choose the uh, the more affordable option um, because it's it provides a lot less mitigation, risk mitigation for your investment. So those are some of the reasons why we like easy construction timeline projects that we can systemize. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. If you're interested in learning more about investing in recession-resistant real estate and receiving passive income straight to your bank account, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Go to our website, hbgcapital.net. You can sign up directly on our calendar. We look forward to getting to know you.